Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 755, quoted live on March 25th, 2023. And here are your hosts, the man who had enough snow today to break out the shovel, Dave Clay. A foot. And the man who had enough snow today to be annoyed, Andy Lowe. Hi. A foot, Andy. I had a foot of snow. I had enough snow to the fact that the kids didn't want to go outside. No, literally, my friends have a ruler, and they took it outside, and they put it in the snow, and it went up to the 12-inch mark. Okay. We did not get anywhere that amount. I think whatever was... Do you want to know how much snow was on the ground yesterday? How much? 24 hours ago? Yeah. Zero. (laughs) Zero inches of snow 24 hours ago. Well, I don't know what to tell you. And it, it was wet snow because it was like 44 degrees today it just rained all morning here and then it started to snow it was just like oh my gosh this is ugh, snow really our our weekend weather though has just been honestly i think for at least the past month i think like every single friday or saturday it has been crappy weather it's just been ridiculous it's weather underground have is they have historical data right probably see if i can find historical data for the month history here we go history can i find them just every single day for the month i don't know what are you looking for Precipitation. Okay, so March 5th, there was no precipitation. March 11th, there was precipitation. March 17th, there was precipitation. And look, there was precipitation on the 23rd and today. So it's literally just been like every weekend. Let's look at February. Yeah, 24th, nope. And then the 11th, there was, yep. So not every single weekend, but it's been pretty constant since January this year that every single weekend has just been crappy. Mm. Hopefully not too bad. No, but it's it's like, God, I'm, I still, no, no joke, I still have leaves on my lawn because our oak tree is a very late leaf shedder. So it did it and then it so it did it like while it was snowing? Yes, there are pictures that I have of mm. you know, like leaves on my lawn covered in snow and it's just like, okay, at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. In, in my backyard, I've got a, t- I have a like mat of leaves, the poor grass back there. Yep. Nope. Ours is the same way. And it's just like, okay, you know, I gotta, I gotta have time on the weekends to deal with it. And uh, just crappy (laughs) weather. Crappy weather. It's been raining or snowing or dropping a goddamn foot of snow. (laughs) Or, you know, you could have. In late March. Could have that giant ice storm that we had that knocked out power for 24 hours. For most of the state. Yeah, that was... Yeah, how's how's uh, DTE Energy doing? Oh, no, we're consumers over on this side. They they have said that now, now they are agreeing to... Um, so after power outages of, of, a, of a, above a certain length, you can actually like call them up and request credits of, you know, $25, which, you know, if I've got a transmitter that runs you know, at 10 kilowatts an hour, $25 is drop in the bucket, but at least it's something, you know? So I, I, they're trying, right? They're trying to do something. They're making the, the minimum bare effort. Well, now they said that the credits are now going to be automatic and they're going to be $35. Ooh. Like, well, good. That's less, less phone calls that I have to, because I call up the customer service person and I'm like, okay, I have seven accounts that I need credits for. <laughs> and they're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I have seven different account numbers here. Let's just start at the top and we're going to be here a while. Make sure you have a beverage. <laughs> Do you, do you need to take a bathroom break anytime in the next two and a half hours? No? Okay, good. Yeah, oh, yeah. that poor person. How, hey, how many of the seven did you get through? Um, well, it turns out only three of them actually qualified because it was like 48 hours or something like that. And a couple of them were just under the 48-hour mark. It's just like, oh. Because it turns out, because we but have, again, they have, they have, bucks. yeah, they have the, um, they have the smart meters. So what's really fun is you can actually call up consumers. I'm not sure if your power company does this too or not, but the smart meters we have there, I can call mm-hmm. up consumers and say, Hey, I would like our power usage in 15 minute increments for like the last 30 days. 
and they will send me a spreadsheet with my exact power usage every 15 minutes for the last month. That's awesome. So I'm sitting there going like, okay, and like I'm looking at the bill going like, why did it, you know, why did it suddenly spike at this time? It's like, oh, because we were, you know, it turns out the lights at one of our tower site run at four kilowatts an hour. Just, just the light bulbs, four kilowatts an hour. Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm looking at going to LEDs on those. Uh, yeah. Because that would definitely cut down on the power usage. But it's one of those things where it's like, I'm looking at the bill going, okay, this doesn't make sense until I, they actually show me the raw numbers from that they have pulled from my actual power meter. So it's like, oh, okay, I didn't know you guys can do that now, but they can. So, so yeah, I'm going to see, I'm going to call them up and see if I can do something about the house here. Cause we've got a generator now. I'm going to look at installing, um, a manual transfer switch and, uh, have an outside outlet to plug the generator into. So I can, you know, in case we lose power again, I can just plug the generator and get one of those that can do propane, natural gas, and um, regular gasoline, or is it diesel? They have these generators now that are tri-fueled, and they can say, oh, you can do this power at this on this fuel. And I'm like, shoot, I've got propane tanks. We've got natural gas <laughs> here in the building, but I, I need to find out how much power we actually use. So you can figure out what your requirements are going to be? Yep. So. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, snow in, a- in almost April. Almost April. Might as well be April. Yep. I mean, it's not unheard of. Like, we've had snowstorms during back Easter. In, in, like, Celine and Ann Arbor in, like, late April, early May. Mm-hmm. But a foot of goddamn snow overnight? All the kids here have to be pissed because it was a Friday night and not a Thursday night. Like all the other snow in the last three months has always been on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't matter for over here because uh, we're on spring break now, it seems. So this is going to be our first official spring break with Isaac. Yeah. Any plans for spring break? Um, we got him into the uh, the daycare that he used to go to that Megan still goes to. Mm-hmm. They have a, they call them like the <laughs> well, winter and spring and summer explorers. Yeah. So the spring break special. Yep. The We know that there's like thousands of parents who are about to be held hostage. Because what are you supposed to do? You you don't stop work because your kids are out of school. Nope. And it's like, okay, I have, you know, like 10 days of vacation or something like that. And like, do I burn half my vacation days just on this one week? No. And no, then I, do what during the summer? <laughs> yep. That's, <laughs> oh man, summer camps right now. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> it's it's like, it was, it was kind of funny because we were calling people up about um, spring break and summer camp <laughs> stuff there and like, oh yeah, no, we're, you know, we have room on our spring break program, but our summer camp program's already filled up and you're just like, wait a second, what? Already you're, filled? Already filled there are places we have called to see about summer camps and well, they are shit. they are already filled up so now now we know <laughs> <laughs> now you know for next year yes so what are you going to do for this year that is an excellent question <laughs> one <laughs> one to which you do not have an answer not at the moment okay there are options on the table none of them are great but there are options on the table so yeah is the whale camp still i mean he's way way too young for it but out of curiosity whalecamp.com hey it's still there oh my gosh how much does it cost <laughs> How many thousands of dollars? I went to this camp, Andy. I was, I think, I was in high school, so I'm either late middle school or early high school, and it was like how, like, just by how much it cost. Like everyone there was like, "Oh, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a lawyer, and like my dad's a teacher in a community college." <laughs> one week, one week session, nineteen hundred dollars. Yep. $1,900 for one week. And that does not include travel costs. Oh, so I'd have to somehow get him out to Pennsylvania? Nope. Yes, again. Where the hell is this? Where we are? <laughs> okay, here we go. Where we are? Where are we? Nova Scotia. Okay. <laughs> okay. I actually know somebody who I think is that is Nautel based out of Nova Scotia. Hold on. Oh, but Andy, Andy. I mean, Hackett's, the very like they're they they're in Hackett's Cove, Nova Scotia. So the plus side is you don't actually need to get them to Nova Scotia. The the camp meets up in Maine. 
uh, in Bangor, Maine. And then they drive because technically it's in Nova Scotia, but it's not on the mainland. Oh, I see where this island is. Okay. Well, that's actually, that's like a stone. That's, I think that's closer to Maine than it is to Canada. It is indeed closer to Maine than to Canada. Uh, I think we've talked about this island before, Grand Manan Island. No, we have not. We must have talked about this. Nope. 15 years of doing this podcast? Nope, we have not talked about your whale camp. I know you went to a whale camp, but that was... I did go to whale camp. That was... That that has literally been the entire extent of my knowledge. Okay. I went to whale camp. It takes... You go to this island. I think technically it's actually closer to New Brunswick than it is to Maine, because there's this little island... Thing that's like connected to a bridge to the United States, but is part of Canada. <laughs> God, man. Okay, so Isaac sometimes watches those geography videos, and one of them is like weird borders and stuff like that. And it's just sometimes yeah. you look at these borders and you're like, why? Why have we not well, just gotten together and said, hey, you know what? Let's just redraw <laughs> right. some of these. Like this island that is connected by the only land route is connected to the United States mm-hmm. probably should just be part of the United States. <laughs> All right. And so here's also give point Roberts back to Canada. Well, okay. So here's, here's a, so Colorado, right? Yeah. Colorado is basically a rectangle, right? Yes. A rectangle projected onto a sphere, sure. Yes. But yes. But it the, the the borders of Colorado are supposed to be straight <laughs> lines because they're supposed to be based off of latitude and longitude, right? Okay. How many sides I mean, be be careful when you talk about straight lines on a sphere. But they're 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 saying that Colorado's northern border is what is what is the oh, Okay, latitude, latitude and longitude. Mm-hmm. Okay, the four borders are set at 37 degrees north, uh, 41 degrees north, 102 degrees and three minutes west, and 109 mm-hmm. degrees and three minutes west. So they okay. are supposed to be lines. latitude and longitude. Yeah, yeah that's. I'm, I'm looking at a little wobble in the Wyoming Colorado border. Well, there. Here's your question: How many sides does Colorado have? Define a side. How okay? How many edges? <laughs> I I ask again, sir. Define an edge of the border. How many? So Colorado, technically, if you're following the rules that yeah. are given to. No, I understand, Andy, but like I can't give you an answer until you give me an answer. Define an edge. The 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 border between Colorado and the other states, in theory, should just be four, right? There should be sure. four lines. Yes. How many lines? Are on the Colorado border. I, infinitely many, Andy, because I don't know how you're defining a line. Like, are you saying how many straight sets of points are there between two points? I like, as I said, there's a wobble, and the wobble does not look like it's linear. So, because it's don't know. it's not. Yeah. Color- the, the the when they set out to map Colorado. Oh, is this is this a survey thing? Like they surveyed the U.S. and the U.S. border with Canada. Yes, Colorado like, has actually like nine hundred lines. Yeah, they're that Colorado vary north to south. Colorado has six hundred and ninety-seven. Okay, it's supposed to have four. It's supposed to be four straight lines ish. You know. From latitude to latitude, longitude to longitude, it's supposed to be a yeah. it's supposed to be a rectangle. Well, when they tried right. to but, actually, you know, map this out back when Colorado became a state, they had to do it on foot because you know there's no GPS back then. Right. So Colorado was not a rectangle. All right. So have you have you seen the CGP grade video about borders? No, I have not. Okay, you should definitely check it out because they t- he talks about most of this. Oh yes, I think I I think I stumbled upon it and then. Isaac stumbled upon it later because I'm sitting there at one point on the couch and I hear his voice and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I know that boy. Yeah, because he talks about um, New York the, and the New Jersey and Ellis point. Island. Different one, but yes. Yes. No, he's got a couple of borders once in there, which is yeah. part of me is like, this, this is what I'm trying to get to is the fact that at some point we should just have everybody sit down and go, okay, you know what? Yes, it was always done this way. But. <laughs> but. Yep. 
You know, it's the people who just, it's tradition. No. It's- well, so here's, here's the thing, Andy, like there are certain things where even it's tradition, like doesn't help. Um, are you familiar with Machias Seal Island? No. So go to Grand Manan on Google Maps. And if you think of Grand Manan as like a weird shaped arrow pointing down to the left. Okay. Follow that arrow. Yeah. And there's this teeny little speck of island in the Gulf of Maine. Do still you see try- it? I'm still trying to find it. Where? Uh, you should be able to see it if you have the entirety of Grand Manan here. I'll, I, I got, we have technology, Andy. We can solve this. <laughs> Hang on. Copy to clipboard. Paste. See that little speck of green in the bottom left of the map? Yes. See how the United States and Canada border disappears before it gets there? Yes. Andy, where is that island? That is an excellent question. Yeah, well, you know what? Both the United States and Canada tend to disagree about it. Well, it's just kind of like, isn't there, isn't there like another island where like Denmark and somebody else always keep squabbling over it? And so every, every once in a while, one of the navies will go out there and just like plant a flag or something. And they, they also like, I guess, leave each other like beer and other sorts of food items. That's, that's hilarious. Uh, the United States and Canada both lay claim to this island. Canada built a lighthouse on it and the United States pretends that the lighthouse doesn't exist. Okay, so outside of the lighthouse on it, what is the point of claiming it? Tourism! Machia Seal Island is one of the few islands that puffins go to roost at. Oh, okay. So there actually is a revenue source attached to it. Yeah, and so they both want it. I've been there. Puffins are adorable. They are adorable. And they are loud. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's why, um... Porgs. Yep. I was going to say, in the Star Wars movie. That's why there are Porgs. Yep, because they could not get rid of the Puffins. They couldn't get rid of the Puffins. And so they're just like, well, fuck it. CGI over it. We'll make these cute, adorable things. We'll sell millions of them. Yeah. Fuck it. Leave them in. I was having a conversation about the the, the sequel episodes, 7, 8, and 9. And my coworkers who are children, even though some of them listen to this. Hi, again, Francis. Um, like, did, just did not understand the frustration and, like, why it was like that. And I'm like, it's because they didn't go in with a story. They didn't have a plan going into those movies. No. They did seven, and they're like, we'll set up a bunch of stuff and then resolve it later. And then they got to eight, and they're like, fuck all that stuff. Well, because eight was a completely different writer and director, right? Right. But like they didn't even have the story written out for them to modify. It was just like, I don't know where they were going with this shit. Who are Ray's parents? I don't know. Does it matter? Well, yes. Yes, it was supposed to matter. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. We should probably talk about topics. Yes, we probably should talk about topics. We've we've burned a lot of time. We haven't even talked about um, the fact that no one seed teams are going to make it to the final four. Well, or the fact that now they're the top seed is Texas, so there is one two seed left because Gonzaga just lost. So you have a nine seed, a four seed, and either a five or a six, or a five and a two. So a four, nine, five or six, or five and two. Now UConn has the highest chance of winning the tournament right now. According to their seed. Well, yeah, pretty much. And that Gonzaga-UConn game wasn't even close. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm, my brackets are now toast. So, mine would be too, don't worry. I yep. did not do a bracket this year, but I, I'm quite sure mine would be. I, I, almost, I almost didn't have a chance. There's just so much stuff going on there, and I'm like, oh, shoot. It is like Wednesday night. I got to get this done. <laughs> scramble through my math you know looked at the numbers and it was it was okay but uh so topics yes topics uh i added a topic andy added 12 13 topics yeah normally i try and go for 12 or 13 topics just to give us options yeah um so of course i want to talk about the topic i added so what topic did you add dave gpt4 for those of us who have no idea what you're talking about the audience maybe so 
ChatGPT. Okay. Hopefully most people understand about ChatGPT. Unfortunately. ChatGPT is using the, I think, third or third and a half model of GPT, known as GPT-3 and GPT-3.5. GPT-4 is the next version of the, the GPT, which is what ChatGPT uses. GPT-4 is better quote-unquote, safer, faster, more accurate. Um, it is pretty interesting. It's more, it is definitely more accurate. Like, chat GPT gets some weird stuff wrong. GPT-4 can figure it out, which is really kind of astonishing. Uh, GPT-4 passed the bar exam in the 90th percentile. Huh, wait. They're going to use it in Duolingo? Yeah. Think about that. Think about, oh, I want to learn another language. Oh, I need a partner to practice with. Well, guess what? <laughs> it can have any conversation you want. Yeah, role play an AI conversation partner and explain my answer, which breaks down the rules when you make a mistake in a new subscription tier called Duolingo Max. Yeah. Uh, GPT-4 can also understand images. Oh boy. And and do stuff with images and process images. So someone did an example where they sketched a wireframe okay. of a website and then said write the CSS that would produce this website. Huh. Well now now you know what I need to see. Um you have you write something in Chat GPT or no, you have Chat GPT look mm -hmm. at an actual painting or something and have it describe yep. what the painting is and then you take that and use that as a prompt for an AI image generator. Oh yeah. <laughs> to oh, see that, what... I mean that's yeah. To be like write a uh a dolly prompt that would like generate this image. Or even just ask him, it's like, hey, look at this image and describe this image to me and then use that description and feed that into another AI image generator and just kind of see. It's I like wonder the, if you it's like, a like game of AI telephone multiple times and you could do telestrations. Mm -hmm. If you if you just have it do that, like give it a picture, say, describe this picture, use that description in an AI image generator, then take that image and give it back to GPT-4 and say, describe this image. And down the rabbit hole we go. How long until the picture is just static? <laughs> I don't know, but this is, um, there was actually one that, shoot, I forgot. What, uh, Futura Media announces <clears throat> Radio GPT. Uh-oh. Localized radio content powered entirely by artificial intelligence. Uh-oh. I forgot that this hit, because we all saw this and we went, oh, geez. Uh-oh. Hold on, let me add. I'll send you the link and I'll add it to the topic list. Radio GPT. Live, yep. local, and powered by AI. But, like, it doesn't know what's going on locally. Well... So what does it, what does it do? My local guess, weather report. Yeah. Local traffic alert. Oh, so, you, like, you still have to feed it data. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I saw this coming when I was at one of the broadcast conferences, and somebody had up uh, basically, like, a plug-in for the automation where it would look at the last song that had played and the next song that had played and it, it would find the band or the artists and something like that. It would pull up their Facebook page, their Twitter, and um, it would pull up like Ticketmaster. And so it would see what the band was recently talking about or it would also pull up like random trivia or something like that. So it would pull up all this data that you could look at and you could decide if you want to talk about the song they just played or the song that's coming up or both of them. It'll put all that information on the screen right there in front of you. And I'm just like, so it no. means anyone could be a DJ. Yeah. Like that was, and you know, if this. You, if you plug that into some of the new like AI voice generation, mm -hmm. I mean, game over, right? Like. Yeah. I saw that, and in my head I was going, you get Alexa to say this, you don't need DJs anymore. <laughs> but you know, but that was that I was taylor swift jockey. that well yeah about those guys yeah um but it, it was just one of those things that i saw this like years ago going okay you know the the data is right there it's, it's just a small leap as soon as you get a you know a human sounding voice you know taylor swift was just you know talking about this new thing that she just did on her twitter and 
you read that there or, you know, you pick up those some of those web pages that have like, you know, today is like National Cheeseburger Day or something like that. It's all the stuff that could easily be fed there. And of course, you know, the, the local local PD has a Facebook page and a Twitter feed. M dot mm-hmm. M dot. We get a bunch of our traffic alerts from M dot who just posted on their Twitter page or their Facebook page going, hey. You know, there's a problem here. Or the fact that we get, you know, people who text in going, you know, problem on 131 at this point. And the, you know, next break is, oh, we had a report from a listener that there's a problem here at this time. It's like, okay. We- Ooh, I'd, I'd be very suspicious because, like, how easy would it be to feed it bad information? Well, that's the thing. It's, it, it right now, there's the, the human is the filter. Right. The human can look at it and sniff it and go, yeah, no, that's not right. The, the AI may or may not happen. Well, I mean, you say that, but you know what's really, really good at passing the sniff test? What? Chat GPT. <laughs> I'm not, like, seriously, it, it, it will almost always pass the sniff test. A friend told me a great example is um, if you ask it to generate a citation for something, for anything, it can generate a reasonable citation in the sense of it knows, right, in quotations, like the right person for the topic, the right times that the person was writing things and publishing things, the right journals that they would be published in. And so, like, it can build a citation that looks totally legit, like where even an expert would look at it and be like, oh, yeah, no, that's the that is someone who would be working on this sort of problem. And that's, yeah, they published, it would have been published around that time. Okay, cool. Moving on. I didn't even think of that, but oh man. It passes the sniff test. You can't depend on a sniff test anymore. Well, I don't know what to tell you then. <laughs> I was watching a, whose YouTube video was I watching at? And when he, um, Tom Scott, I was watching a Tom Scott video mm-hmm. and he had actually talked about something with um, a problem that he was having with his Gmail or his Outlook or something like that. And he actually, um, he was trying to write a script for something and he actually like got the AI to write the script and, you know, the AI got it wrong. But the problem is the AI got it wrong in some ways very similar to like how he would get it wrong. And he's like, that's kind of, that's kind of scary is the fact that, you know, it made a mistake, but it made just an honest mistake. And how, you know, how close are we to, you know, where are we in this curve of AI? Shoot, let me find his video. I'll post that on the topic list where, oh, where is his, God, he's got a lot of videos. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he wrote it a month ago. I tried using AI. It scared me. So let's share that. Did that copy the, uh, did that copy? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't see anything. Well, hold on. Copying the link. Okay. There we go. We'll just do it that way. Boom. All right. There we go. I'm still not seeing anything. I posted it to the topic link. Topic list. Oh, you posted it to the topics. Okay. Sorry. Refreshed. Hey, Tom Scott on AI. Cool. I also added a topic. Uh-oh. We're just adding to the list here. It's already a massive yep. list. The list that we're, like, not going to get through in any way, shape, or form. Um, You mean the topic that I had already posted up? Uh, one, oh, did two, you already three, post it? four, five topics up from yours? Uh, one, two, three. Hey, Judge Rules on Okay, I think my headline's easier to understand, but sure, I'll just go and delete that topic. <laughs> it is deleted. Uh, judge rules against the Internet Archive on their ebook lending library. Which is funny because the um, the Internet Archive basically was using the same principle of fair use, which Google Books and HathiTrust used back in 2014 and mm-hmm. were allowed to use. Yep. Did so you read it, the judge's comments on that? On the on the fair use aspect of it? I haven't gotten into it that far yet. Specifically on the, the, com- the comparison to the Google fair use. Um, hang on, I just unplugged my headphones so I can't hear any that you're saying, even though you can hear everything that I'm saying. <laughs> you're giving us there a play-by-play play of... Yeah. Um, so the, the judge's point was that Google's work was transformative because you were able to then search 
all of the books. So Internet Archives was not transformative? Correct. Now, the Internet Archive is appealing this. Of course. Um, which, yeah, rightly. I mean, of course they're appealing. Like, why do we even have lower courts? Like, I guess the Court of Appeals could reject it and say, like, nope. Um, but for those of you who are not familiar with the concept and the topic... Uh, Internet Archive has a program called the Open Library, which operates under a CDL system, a controlled digital lending, where they have a physical book. They took a scan of that book and they only allow one person at a time access to that scan, effectively lending them the physical book like any library. Um the publishers are not happy with this. They were significantly less happy when at the beginning of the pandemic, the Internet Archive just opened up their the library and said, like, anyone can rent anything at any time. Yeah, the National Emergency Library. Yeah, well, without an order for national emergency, there's not much they could do. Yep. Like, legit, they were in the wrong. They were morally right. They had, a hundred, like, 100%, that's awesome. Um, But they were legally definitely in the wrong on that. But that's not what they're getting sued for. They're getting sued for their actual library, which is like, it's a library. It might not have the legal entity status of a library. But then again, I'm, I wasn't aware that like libraries had to register anywhere as a library. Like, I can know. I... I didn't know you could, you needed to do that. I, I didn't think you did. Um, but that's one of the arguments of the, um, the publishers is that this isn't a library. Well, but, but why not? What, what makes it not a library? It sounds like a library to me. It passes the library duck test. So the publisher sued, the judge handed down the ruling and said, yeah, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. That this is indeed copyright infringement, and the Internet Archive is on the hook to the tune of several billion dollars, claiming lost sales and lost revenue. Ah. Which I say is bullshit. Yeah, no, that's... I agree, but... They can claim, hey, look, our numbers have gone down. Well, your numbers have gone down for other reasons, but... Except their numbers have gone up. Well, yes, that is also true because their digital lending requirements are entirely arcane and very expensive. Yep. I still love the one where the fact is, okay, you can buy the library. I think it was Portage. We'll have to get Catherine. I wonder if Catherine knows anything on this. Um... Porter's Library had bought an ebook <clears throat> version of something. That ebook version was only allowed to be lended out, I think, 27 or 37 or 40. So there was a finite number of times that ebook version could be lended out before a, the, the license was revoked and they could not lend it out anymore. And the reason they had picked that number for how many times <clears throat> they could lend it out is because actual physical books degrade over time. And they found out, the publisher, you know, found out that the physical books normally get lended out that many times before they basically have to be pulled from circulation. So they put that arbitrary number that has nothing to do with electronic books and put it on their electronic books just because they wanted to keep the money flowing. Yeah. Like God damn. You put a limit on how many times your ebook has to go out there because that's how many times, on average, a book was checked out before the library had to buy another one. Really? Okay. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yep. yep. Well, in other rulings, mm -hmm. we got a couple of uh, court things in here. Do you have the um, European Union, Microsoft, Activision? Uh, not the European Union one, the UK ah, CMA. Uh, might be it. Yes, yeah. the, the one who had basically filed the first, hey, wait a second, we don't like this. Yeah. Um, I guess a couple months later, after a significant amount of new evidence that emerged in consultation periods with interested parties, they have chi decided to change their stance. And they have reached the provisional conclusion that overall, the transaction will not result in a substantial lessening of competition in relation to console gaming in the UK. If you're sure. 
the the most significant one was the fact that uh, they were talking about um, the fact that whether Microsoft had financial incentive to make Activision games exclusive on the Xbox, and said they the quote from them is while the CMA's original analysis indicated that this strategy would be profitable under most scenarios, new data which provides better insight into the actual purchasing behavior of COD gamers, which I love that in their official document they call them COD gamers. <laughs> um, indicates that the strategy would be significant loss-making under any plausible scenario. I am not sure that I agree with that. Yeah, they they think that it would be that it would not hurt Microsoft. It would hurt Microsoft to make Call of Duty exclusive. Oh, this is one of those like five years from now. I told you so rulings. Yep, we shall see. So their final decision is going to come down April 26th. So That's fine. I sold most of my Activision stock <laughs> right after this. I was like, mm, you know what? It's up, and it's up above what I paid for it. I'm out. I'm that's, done. I, that's can't, can't argue against making money. Yes, you can. But in this case, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I don't want this. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I'd like off this ride now, please. Very much like off this ride, please. So the UK has now flipped. They were the first ones. The FTC is still up in the air. And then also, yeah, the EU is also still have not filed anything. But yeah, the UK was the first one to step up to the plate. And they are also now the first one to have changed their mind. So yeah. we'll see if this is the canary in the coal mine for everybody else agreeing to this merger. But yes, I'd love I'd love to know what the substantial, you know, amount How? of new How evidence that emerged to lose money by making it just because they they wouldn't sell as much. That's what that's the only thing that's the only thing I think of is the fact that they wouldn't sell as many copies. Do they expect someone else would step in and make a different one? Because, like, Call of Duty is kind of a force of nature at this point. Didn't Medal of Honor come out first before the first Call of Duty? Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe not, but Battlefield, I think, did. Because I remember in, like, late high school, so that would have been the early 2000s, you and I were like, there are too many World War II games. Yes. And it was because there was, like, Battlefield 1942, there was Call of Duty, there was, like, there was a bunch of World War II games. Call of Duty franchise is predated four years by Electronic Arts Medal of Honor series. Yeah, but Call of Duty won. Yes, Call of Duty definitely. <laughs> Battlefield 1942 came out in 2002. When was Medal of Honor? Uh, Medal of Honor was two. Well, Medal of Honor. Yep. Yeah. And uh, let's see, 21 people on the original Call of Duty production team previously worked on the 20, 2002 Medal of Honor Allied Assault game before leaving to mm. found their own company. Well, I feel like they made the right choice on that one. Yeah. I think this Wikipedia article needs to get updated. Well, Dave, it is Wikipedia. If you, uh... I do not have my. It's the his. I look at the history of first-person shooters, and it's 1970s, 1980s, then 87 to 92, 92 to 95, 95 to 99, 2000 to 2008, 2008 to present. That's. That's that's a that's a bit of a jump from 2008 to present. That is the longest jump in here. 2008 to present starts the first words in the 2008 to present section. Team Fortress 2. Oh boy! Launched a new type of team-based subgenre called hero shooters, which consists of first-person, third-person shooters where players selected from one several pre-made characters with existing weapons and skill sets. Hello, Overwatch. They in fact. Call all Overwatch out as a following hero shooter uh, game. Second paragraph talks about the Wii. Oh boy. Yeah, no, that needs to be... I, I feel like this section needs to be like... <laughs> there needs to be a bit more going on here. Uh, there's nothing about like Destiny or Destiny 2 or all of Call of Duty's stuff in the last couple of years. They're like, PUBG! Yes, PUBG was a thing. Then PUBG came was a thing, but Fortnite's well, Fortnite's not a first-person shooter, is it? Uh, I don't know. Can you go into does Fortnite have a first-person mode? I think it's only third-person. <laughs> uh, 
article two two days ago. When is first person mode coming to Fortnite? So the answer so, is no. No, I love games that give that question. Uh, Diablo Four beta is this weekend. Speaking of game releases, oh oh, here we go. Fortnite Chapter Four Season Two uh, looks like there will be first person supported at that point. So there you go. They're finally getting first person in um, Fortnite right there. Okay. Are we, we should probably hit the randoms, shouldn't we? No, we're not there yet. We're almost we're there. We're not there yet. Um, okay. Elon Musk says that they're looking to launch, uh. <laughs> they're looking to launch Starship near the end of the third week of April, AKA dot, dot, dot is what he said. Now? Oh, not now. April. April is a month from now. Yes. So the third week of April would have um, April 20th in it. Oh. God, if he if he launches Starship on April twentieth, I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna look at it and go, "Ooh, is, we're gonna see the launch." But then I'm also gonna roll my eyes, going, "Yes, I I get the joke. Yeah, thanks." Better then than never. <laughs> True, especially since um, Starliner is delayed again. NASA and Boeing were originally targeting the second half of April for the crew flight test. So that's the one where they carry the two astronauts up to, you know, try it out with people in it this time. This time with feeling. (laughs) This time with actual... No. So um, it turns out, though, that part of the change here is the fact that um, the Axiom Mission 2 is going up to the ISS. And so Starliner is getting bumped back for their test flight with people due to the fact that um, SpaceX and the Falcon 9 and the Dragon capsule um, are sending up their second entirely, you know, civilian mission up to the ISS. I feel like that's just like, <laughs> this is like twisting the dagger a little bit to Boeing. <laughs> Like oh, I'm sorry. You. you we we can't let you guys go up there for your test flight because um the other capsule that you were competing against um needs is to going s- up there for is the going up there with you know flight. their second actual civilian flight. Not even you know <laughs> as just, we're just they're sending they're just sending people up there now. So you guys are gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait. We'll we'll let you go up, but you're gonna have to wait. Yep. SpaceX recently launched the sixth operational astronaut flight under the contract oh, that... Came unplugged. Why does it do that? There you are. I hear you now. Okay. Say that again. The, this will be SpaceX's recently launched their sixth astronaut flight up to the ISS that they had gotten in the same contract with Boeing. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So what... Do you think the idea of, like, rapid transit across the U.S. by way of rocket is a thing? It all depends on the cost. Like, a thing that will ever happen? It all depends on the cost. Are, yeah. Are some people going to be willing to spend the probably astronomical, not to use the pun, but <laughs> astronomical uh, cost for moving something across the country? Versus just the world, yeah, across the world. Well, versus- I mean, if I need if if I had a regular launch, say from like Boca Chica, Texas, to somewhere in the eastern seaboard of China, how much would you pay to be able to move cargo like that? I don't know. We'll have to find out. The military really would love to do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to just, I mean, that, I'm pretty sure the military has the, the equipment to do that if they so choose. Well, still trying to move military equipment halfway around the world takes Yeah, it's still time. a pain in the butt. Logistics is hard. An army works on its stomach. Fun fact, so if we make a bunch of soldiers that don't need to eat. <laughs> yeah, like AI-powered drones or even just... Chat GPT, go fight a war for me. It's like, I'm sorry, I can't do that because that's against my program. Chat GPT, pretend you are this. <laughs> but man, think it. In a hypothetical war game. Think of how much we could scale back our military bases worldwide if all we basically had to do was just have a rocket landing pad. Um. So, Andy. Yeah? You would have to defend the pad. Well, yes, I know that, but still, just the... the it wouldn't require us to scale back very much of anything. Well, just, you know, the fact that you could have rockets landing within three hours anywhere in the world would just yep. be 
Yep. But you, you still want the equipment there for those first three hours. Yeah. Because you're going to need enough to defend the pad. Mm-hmm. Because it's real easy to just hit the landing pad with like a rocket and then your other rockets can't land there. Yeah, that's true. Also, launching like a Tesla into space is one thing. Launching an Abrams tank into space is something else. What was what was? And the you are not going capacity? to want an Abrams tank. You look up the capacity. I'm going to look up the weight of M1 Abrams tank. Okay, I'm ready with my number. <clears throat> Uh, okay, in its fully reusable configuration, Starship is planned to have a payload capacity of 150 tons to low you Earth. You can load two tanks. Two tanks, that's it? Well, an M1 Abrams is 55 tons. Ah, so yeah, you could, you could put two, t- two tanks in a Starship. Two tanks. How many M1 Abrams, how many M1 tanks can fit in a... Galaxy. Ah, well, the C5 Galaxy is able to carry two M1 Abrams battle tanks or one Abrams tank plus two M2, M3 Bradley fighting vehicles. So the Starship would be... Galaxy the biggest one? Um, Is that the C-17? The 17... Okay, yeah, the C-17 can carry three... Uh, nope, hang on. Maximum payload is... 770,000 pounds. That's not... So 55 tons is 110,000 pounds. Yeah. Wow. Damn, these tanks are heavy. Okay, so... The C-17 carries a cargo of wheeled U.S. Army vehicles in two side-by-side rows, including the M1. The commander of Company D, 1st Battalion, states that the heavy equipment such as tanks are rarely flown by air by either the Army or the Air Force, but can be if needed. Oh, they're probably shipped. Yep. They're heavy. I'm, I'm looking at these things. They are very big and very heavy. Well, you know you've gone down the rabbit hole when. (laughs) (sighs) Yep. Yep. Wow, the Air Force military has a great thing about the C-17. Okay, wait. So this, the Air Force says that the M1 Abrams tank is actually 69 tons. Jeez. Maximum payload capacity of the C-17 is 170,900 pounds. So, yeah. Right. So, where were we even going with that? <laughs> oh, right. Star, uh, star- somewhere about Starship. Yeah, Starship. Well, um... Starship and Starliner and... Yeah. <clears throat> the, uh, so Starship, act- SpaceX actually, so far, has launched, uh, over on Friday? Was it on Friday? Yeah, on Friday they launched two Falcon 9 rockets within the span of just more than four hours. One was out of um, uh, Vandenberg Base in California. The second was out of Cape Canaveral. Um, so <laughs> so this is SpaceX's 19th orbital mission for the calendar year so far. So they have now been launching a Falcon rocket. only like 12 weeks into the year. Yeah, they've been averaging 4.1 days per launch, and they are on pace to launch 90 rockets before the end of the year. A decade ago, the United States Jeez. in total, the United States in total, um, averaged 15 to 20 orbital rockets for the whole year. Year, yeah. Yeah, for the whole year. <sighs> so I'm, I'm, I'm disillusioned with Elon Musk, but goddamn, SpaceX is just like going nuts. Well, that's the thing is the fact that the the people who are in charge of Cape Canaveral and the Kennedy Space Center are like, um, we haven't seen this kind of activity since the 60s. So, you know, in the heart of the Apollo <laughs> program. And they're like, right. You know, we we might actually be having a problem <laughs> with like just maintaining that. Yes. Congestion is actually becoming a challenge at um, Kennedy Space Center. They're they're saying all of our like normal mechanisms to manage the flights and the launches and everything are um, basically starting to show strains. Not sufficient. Yes, that's 
kind of hilarious. Yeah, every single pad we have on the cape is occupied by somebody or multiple somebodies. In the last 12 months, Space Launch Delta 45 received 329 requests for launch dates on the Eastern Range, of which it approved 238. They are basically are running out. There also looks like they're running out of room. So, yeah. no, Don't they, they have like 20 launch pads? Uh, I think they have... They have well, there, there's a lot of them are just the the small launch pads that were for the the um the test rockets. So I don't know how many big launch pads they have. Here we go. No, I don't. List of Cape Canaveral and Merritt Island launch sites. Okay, so launch complex 39A. It's Falcon Heavy, Falcon 9. 39B is the SLS. 48 is inactive. Um, currently owned by NASA, and there's a planned. Launch Complex 49, which um, I think SpaceX has requested for lease. So that's Kennedy Space Center. Cape Canaveral's got Launch Complex 13, Launch Complex 16, Space Launch Complex 37B, Space Space Launch Complex 40, and Space Launch Complex 41, and Launch Complex 47. So one, two, three, four, so five, like six. So like LC12, LC14, LC15, like these are just not used? I guess not. Uh, Launch Complex 11 is undergoing renovation. Launch Complex 20 is currently leased to Firefly Aerospace, but is inactive. Complex 14 is inactive, but it's leased to Stoke Space. And Launch Complex 15 is inactive. Prior use was Titan 1 and Titan 2 rockets. See Spaceport Florida. Jeez, something sounds fishy because I'm I'm looking at the I am looking at this like from the sky, and there are there are a lot of pads. Here, here's your Wikipedia article. Yes, I'm sure there's a Wikipedia article. Yeah, there are actually a lot of there are a lot of launch complexes that are currently inactive. It would probably take a little bit to modernize them. Yeah. I mean, I look at Launch Complex 22 and it looks like there's a hut. Oh, no, it's a big building. Okay. Well, I'm guessing they're not going to do anything for Launch Complex 31 because that is where they are keeping the Challenger space shuttle. Mm. So Just hanging out? That is, that's that's the, they call it the burial vault, it looks like. Yep. So, yes, okay, now... We have space to expand to the north. Well, the other fact is a lot of that is actually um, wilderness reserves. Swamp. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> What what is it with building space flight complexes next to giant wilderness reserves and swampland? Well, because if something blows up, it's not as bad. There's nobody around. Mm-hmm. There's a big body of water nearby to dump any rockets in that don't go as planned. Yep. Okay, uh, director of the Kennedy Space Center says Kennedy Space Center has over 144,000 acres of land, but only 7,500 acres are developable. Because, yes, the rest of the land has been set aside as a wildlife refuge. Hmm. (laughs) It looks like there was a contractor that was supposed to actually do some renovations on Launch Complex 39A, but delays in the launch of Artemis 1 had postponed the maintenance. And so when SpaceX had to come in and launch a Falcon Heavy, a national security mission of some kind, you know top secret of some way, they had to actually bring in their own equipment Mm. to provide nitrogen to support the launch. This Mm. is, oh, crazy. Yeah. So, all right, we should definitely hit the randoms now. Where where are we? We're we're over now. We just hit the randoms. Uh, My review. All away. Yep. All those topics and nobody to talk about them. All right, I'm going to review the 10-ton hydraulic log splitter. So, um, a 10 ton hydraulic log splitter. Yes. Picked this up at Harbor Freight. I had the coupon. This is 10 tons of pressure, right? Yes. No, this thing does not weigh 10 tons. This thing is in size when it's folded up because it has two like poles that pump the hydraulics. Um, they Mm -hmm. can actually store underneath this thing. And so, um, it's got wheels on the bottom too. And the size of this thing is. This is, this is manual. Yes. 
Okay. This is this is not gas. This Where did is you not get a, this? Harbor Freight. I have the same one. You do with the with the wedge and the wheels and the the yeah the the red body and like black frame. Mm-hmm. You put the two poles in and you like work it like a fucking ski elliptical thing. At the well, no, no, no. Out. Don't 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 work gym. it like don't work it like an elliptical because the the pistons are two separate sizes. Yes. One is one is stronger than the other. Yeah, so what the the one I mean that, you can use both. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Yeah, I know, but it, it's it's just faster to just to work one. There's there's one that's got a bigger cylinder that uh-huh. has more travel to it. And you kind of use that to just, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. line everything up and pinch the wood the first time, then you switch around to the other side, work the other handle. That one's got um less travel, but it's got more pressure. So that's the one you actually use to actually split the wood. Pierce the wood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I had a piece of wood that was so hard, it bent the pole. I have not had that yet. <laughs> I mean, it's Harbor Freight, right? This is a, a, a $150-ish um, piece of equipment, and you don't expect it to last very long. Now, where? So, okay. So, I'm sorry. I'm totally taking over your review. Go ahead. Well, you, you. What were you just going to say? I was curious what what wood you were splitting. Well, we have uh, a maple tree and an oak tree, and so the branches yes. from that ice storm that we talked about at the very beginning of the episode, um, we had, and actually, to use the term correctly, a windfall. Um, of branches. And so, you know, I got the, I got the, the chainsaw and we got everything measured out there, but some of those branches were still six to eight to 10 inches in diameter. So I needed to, I'm like, this is, this is, this is not going to fit in the solo stove. No. So I'm like, I need to, I need to do something with it. Using an axe. I thought about using an axe, but I'm like, you know what? Technology has advanced since, you know, the axe. (laughs) Hey, don't knock the axe. It has survived it for a very long time. Oh, I know. I know it We've has been survived. Using axes for like 12,000 years. Well, this one, you know, hydraulics work. So I I, you know, I had a coupon for Harbor Freight, picked this up for I think maybe 100 bucks um and just started using it and this thing could basically, you know, knock it out of the park. The 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 fact though is that there is a minimum log length cuz the piston can only travel so far. So I've got actually a bunch of shorter pieces that I'm got to I have to use a manual log splitter for. Um but these ones you you know, if you've got a solo stove, this is, like I said, it's it's about the size of a camping chair rolled up, you know, folded up. Maybe a little bit bigger, but not as big as a set of golf clubs. And I can knock out, I'd say, probably almost a dozen splits within a half hour. If I've got everything, you know, measured to length. Right? Yeah, you know, just split the wood. See, you, you had an advantage of everything everything measured to, to the right length. Uh some of mine are were, were too small for it. Were like you couldn't push it far enough for it to break, and some were too big. They were they were literally too long to fit into it. Yeah, there were there. I had a couple of them, um, which I can review the the other half of this. What my my chainsaw setup is because there's actually a, a, a neat <laughs> there. There's a I've got a neat piece of little thing on this chainsaw, and it's actually great. Um, but yeah, no, I had a couple that were too long, so I had to cut them down to sixteen inches, and then. And they fit in here like no problem. Split them up easy peasy. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you have a solo stove, as we know, the solo stove eats wood and... Oh, I mean, devours it. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, shoot, I had a whole bunch of nice hardwood, nice maple and oak mm-hmm. that we had to get taken down mm-hmm. from the storm. And I just am like, okay, I got these things cut to length, but they're going to be too big to fit in there. I got to split them. I'm like, well, shoot, there's got to be something there to split it and pick this guy up. And And like I said, it works. And it's, I love the fact that you can stand it upright. It's, this, I keep saying it's the size of a one of those folding camping chairs. It's just a little bit taller and a little it's, bit more bigger, but it's, it's got a the wheels taller than that. I I was I think of mine as it's the size of a like a bag of golf clubs. I think it's well. Granted, my golf club bags are a little big, but yes, no, I could see it. You know, having uh, maybe nine nine clubs, a nine club bag. <clears throat> but yeah, no, this thing it works like a charm. Haven't had a problem with it yet. So nice. I I did bend one of the poles a bit uh, 
it because uh, the wood just was not splitting. Um, and the wood I was using was walnut, which is a very hard wood. Mm-hmm. And it makes this lovely pop when it finally gives up and splits. Yeah, no, there was... It was Friday. Isaac was home. I was out trying to get some of the wood split because I knew it was going to rain on Saturday. So Isaac wanted me to be out there. So I'm like, okay, you can be out here, but we got to have the safety glasses on. And you got to stand in this area. Back here. Yep. Yeah. And he was, you know, uh, you know, trying to do about that. And the next, literally the next one I split, it literally launched both pieces forward to like either side. And Isaac just looks at me and he like taps his safety glass and he's like, aha, I see. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot of pressure yep. on on that wood. So next the next and couple if it of times, the right way, it is going to go flying. Yep. Yeah. Next couple of times, I was doing something. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to. Uh... He's like, I'm standing behind the tree over here. I'm like, yep, that's good. I don't think the wood is yeah. going to be able to pierce the three foot in diameter oak tree. So yeah, you should be good no. back over there. But yes, no. If you got or a like behind you, yes. Or behind me, yeah. So yeah, if you got a solo stove, this is a very good accessory to have on hand if you are well, in the process if, of... if you have a solo stove and you have like a felled tree. Yes, if you, if you are doing your own... Or you have a way to acquire... If, you, if you're doing your own lumber... Right, but like... Jack. Lumberjack? Right, but I don't... Like lum- lumbering jack, timbering, timbering. Like, sure. Where am I supposed to go now that I have this thing to go buy wood in bulk that I need to split? Because anywhere I'm going to buy wood from, they are doing wood in such massive quantities. They're going to have equipment to split it and split it a lot faster and a lot cheaper and a lot easier. That's true. Okay, so, so yes, like if, where if- where. <laughs> If you are... I'm now that guy who owns a log splitter for my friends when they have problems with their trees. Okay, yes. So, yes, if you are in the forest and you need a log splitter, this will most likely do the job for what you need. If you are in the process of procuring your own firewood, this yeah. is... You can use yeah. this. I I probably... I. I might recommend just going to Home Depot and renting a log splitter for a day. Yes, you could probably also do that. Because then you buy one that, like, is motorized and it just will, it won't take very long. Now I'm just going to look up to see what it is. Log splitter rental. Oh, $111 per day for the gas-powered one that you can tow behind your car on a trailer. Yeah. So, yes, if you have a one-time thing, this, yeah, you could rent it or there you go. So that is my review. Random topic rolled ahead of time. What is the longest continuous time period you have stayed up to finish a homework assignment, and why was it necessary for you to stay up as late as you did? In my junior year of high school, I took a psychology class. We did a sleep deprivation study and had to keep another student awake for 72 hours. By the end of it, he claimed he could taste colors. <laughs> now, I did not have to stay up for 72 hours, but I did have to stay up for some of the 72 hours to help him stay up for 72 hours. The longest I stayed up to do something was in college where we had to write a paper on one of the classic sci-fi films. I picked The Day the Earth Stood Still. The The problem was the fact, though, that I w- basically, I watched the movie, wrote part of the paper, and then had to go back and watch the movie again, write part of the paper, go back and watch the movie again, write part of the paper. So I, you know, I had seen The Day the Earth Stood Still about five or six times and the pro- that was the problem was the fact that I literally had to watch the movie and I was taking notes while I was watching the movie so every single time I went you know back to do something with it I'm like well shoot I gotta watch the movie again and how long is the movie 92 minutes Every single time I went to go watch the movie and take notes on it, I it was an hour and a half of watching the movie and, you know, doing my notes so then I could go back and, you know, write part of the paper. So it was, it was a long night and half of it was sitting there watching a movie because I really couldn't, you know, I didn't want to fast forward through it. Plus, you know, I was watching it might have been on VHS. I'm not, I don't remember if it was VHS or if I was watching it on DVD at the time, but it, it I would literally just had to keep watching the movie and over and over again to try and, you know, get my 
the theme of my paper down. So that that was the longest, which I, is one of those things where I should have tried. I, I thought, oh, I could just watch the movie once and write out, you know, my paper and I'll be good. But then once I realized, I, oh, shoot, I've got to, you know, I'm looking at this again and then I go back and reference the movie and then I was looking at other stuff there that was, you know, culturally significant at the time in the 50s. I had to watch that stuff as well. It was... Mm -hmm. I I really thought the history of sci-fi and cinema was going to be an easy A. But then this was also... This was the teacher who was also the head writer of Sliders. So he he knew his stuff. He knew his shit. Yes. Yep. It was a great class, but the homework almost killed me. Learned a bunch, great class, but that, that homework, man. Ugh. Too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like yeah, the, 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 the movie classes that I took in college. The classes themselves were great. We sat down and we watched movies, some that I have seen before, some that I hadn't, and we actually had people in the like, you know, your same mind discussing the movies as it was going on. We had some smart people. Uh, Russ. Russ. Russ the guy who was in charge of the Michigan Theater over in uh, Russ Collins. There it is. I don't know. Russ Collins is the CEO and executive director of the Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor, and he was the one who taught one of my film classes. And so the final showing that we saw was um, watching Citizen Kane in the Michigan Theater. And it was, you know, it was just our class. He had, you know, Michigan Theater was just ours to watch Citizen Kane on the big that's, screen. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, I, I had to sit through, you know, Koyanostatsky to watch that. But, yeah, no, those, those classes were great. But, yeah, that homework assignment. Whew. Thought I, thought I could just watch it once and be done, but nope. I had to keep watching it, nope. trying to get my trying to get my theme down. So how how many watches did it take? How long were you awake? I I think I watched that movie about five times in total. There were times where I'd watch like you know the first half of it, and I'm like, okay, so the first part of the movie is about this, and then I would you know fast forward to the another part and watch it. But still, just you know in total, I think I saw that movie about five times for that homework assignment. But also, it's I'm a, I'm a horrible writer too, so you know, I'll be I'll be spending you know 20 30 minutes nitpicking on one sentence, and I'm like, hey, shoot, I just need to just sign the painting and move on. So that's my answer. So speaking of staying right. up too late, um, we should. Should probably go to it bed. is it is late yes yes it is so i agree on that note uh that's a wrap this has been another episode of the random access podcast if you have any questions comments concerns corrections suggestions remarks reviews rebukes retorts or just rants feel free to contact us you can find us on twitter at rapodcast or send us an email at mail at rapodcast.net Thank you for listening.